Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Our guest today is Chris Garza, who is a guitar player, songwriter, and founding member of the legendary deathcore band Suicide Silence, who recently actually just announced their seventh album, which is expected to come out in uh, 2023 called Remember You Must Die. And they just released a single called Thinking in Tongues, which is super sick. It's just so good. Chris also created the Garza podcast where he interviews some incredible talent in music, MMA, and even his parents. All right, let's do this. Chris Garza, welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Hello. Welcome for, uh, wait, hello? hello? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> You're used to saying welcome. Okay. Welcome. Good morning. Obviously, I just woke up. I have my coffee, but I am ready to go, kind of. <laughs> Is it weird for you to be on somebody else's podcast? I prefer it this way because uh, it's way easier. I just got to wake up and sit down, and it's so nice. No research. No. No lining things up. Yeah, no me going to the public library, sitting there for hours, and just <laughs> writing notes, and uh, like, oh, wow, I could just sit here and talk. This is how it's supposed to be. So what do you do to prepare for your podcasts? Do you like, do you do anything or do you, do you wing it or do you read up on the people? I mean, I imagine you already know kind of like in this podcast, yeah. you already kind of know a lot of the people you're talking to, if not all the people you're talking to. Yeah, pretty close. I've known about a good 80% of the people that have come on. It's a little bit alarming to me how much information is online about a person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I found like <laughs> last week I found someone's phone number. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you, you got to be careful what's like up there, you know? And um, yeah, I'll go. Some people have like a Wikipedia. I like, I mean, I read in general. So it's just nice to read about some. I'm like, damn, I didn't know that. Or, or they're or they're from here. They they came from this band or they had this upbringing or they were in band in high school. All like this cool stuff that I just read as much as I can. I read interviews go on YouTube and watch stuff, get get their vibe. And, and depending on the person, it will be how much research I do. It could be hours or it could be my most nervous guest. I did no research and I did nothing and it fucking freaked me out. And that was Ross Robinson. I did nothing. I literally wrote down <laughs> one question and my brain, I don't know, somebody told me like, dude, don't do anything to sit down and talk with them. That's going to be the best. And my brain is like, I had a panic attack. It was like, you're going to fuck it up. It's going to be the worst podcast ever. You're going to fucking embarrass yourself. You know, all of these things like you're like mentally like you, like you go through. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, like the heart was right. They sat down and that was the best conversation I had. I did the least amount of research. I don't like having no research on these, but I've, but it doesn't freak me out anymore because I figure can always have an interesting conversation because what happens in real life, like when you meet someone for the first time, it's not like you have notes on them when you meet them. You know, if you meet someone for the first time and you're going to have a conversation, you don't have notes. So I kind of see it like that, but still it always gives me like a little tinge of panic if I don't have notes for a podcast, I like to know who I'm talking to. So as you actually just <laughs> said, like, it's just like, well, what, what, what will we do when we're at like a show where it's talking? Oh yeah. You just, just say something else, <laughs> you know, it's like kind of have like, keep like, I try to convey like a natural human connection through, I don't want that to convey through like the camera. So like, let's say a person says yes. It's like, well, they would say that in person. So what, like, what would I say? I, I want people to feel like they're in the same room. So even though there is a, a mini panic, I try to shut that off and just let like the natural just flow what you would do at like a, you know, having a beer or something. Well, the problem is if someone just is like, 
yes in like real life i might just walk away go do something else which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that in a podcast true yeah th- there's lots of opportunities in real life to like signal a friend of mine to come rescue me or something totally i feel you man or hey man i really there's a call i gotta go make right now um it's been a pleasure meeting you yeah just kidding you know like on riff hard podcast that hasn't been so much of an issue because i think guitar players are better at talking than like say producers on urm podcasts i've had that issue a few times because producers just aren't like normally they are more so these days than when i started but you know they're not used to doing interviews or being on camera or being the center of attention the musicians are used to that that's part of the job is Mm -hmm. doing press so like musicians are a lot more whether they like it or not they're a lot more comfortable with it than producers in general just because it up until recently it was an even part of the job of having to be public i think modern producers now like this generation of like producers 40 and under or something and some enlightened ones over the age of 40 understand that you got to put yourself out there in the modern world it it really makes a big difference and so yes they're easier to talk to i haven't found it to be that difficult with guitar players just because they're better at talking yeah yeah most could just go on especially if you go into gear like oh or these are the strings i use like you you go on for hours it's funny that you bring up like a producer yeah i mean some tend to be very concise with their words and they and they can say a lot with fewer words you know, I, I I respect Taylor Young. Oh yeah, you know, very short, but he's very concise with with his words. Which I've been trying to do what he does when like when he talks, like he knows how to say something. Like boom, you know, it's like shit. I wish I could fucking do that. I gotta fucking ramble on for like an hour to say like one thing, <laughs> and he's just on it, dude. My damn, I, I'm trying to learn that. You know, shout out to Taylor Young, man. He's fucking killing it right now. He's great. I actually had him on your own podcast recently. Oh great, I enjoy cool. I enjoyed it very much and i love the job he did on your new stuff oh thank you he has that tone yeah i've been trying to get that guitar tone man probably since the uh, cleansing so 2008 been trying to get that tone and he finally fucking got it he just understands that raw thing Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting because like with the raw style of metal production it can either sound like total shit or like the most badass thing. Yep. Like, and there's this fine line. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to be a disaster. But if you know what you're doing, it's just like the sickest, deadliest thing ever. And I, I think Taylor gets it, which is, it's like he gets it, Kerpaloo gets it, mm-hmm. and like a few other people get it. But it's actually really hard to do that, I think, because totally, it's like the line, the line between it being sick and it being sickening is very it's very it's very thin line you gotta know where that line is basically yeah yeah it's a good thing you chose taylor and i kind of want people who are choosing producers right now you know people listening to this and are thinking about who to go with for you know for their band's next ep or album Mm -hmm. you know if you listen to taylor's history like with nails and stuff it's a it's a very logical choice that if you guys were going for like more of a cleansing type sound go with someone who's like that's in their dna that type of thing yes rather than get with someone like i love andy sneep but if you're going for like a cleansing type sound you're not going to go to andy sneep because that's not 
really his that's not really his repertoire and so like choosing a producer based on what you know them for and what you love about them is really really smart and so i think going back to that type of sound and picking taylor is a very very logical choice and i think bands tend to go wrong when they don't when they pick a producer just based on their name or their physical proximity rather than what the person's body of work is and uh, you, what they bring to the table. Yeah, or sometimes that that could be in your favor because w- with our first record, like we went with uh, John Travis, which to this day does not get talked about at all. Like people talk about the cleansing and then obviously the genre kind of exploded after that. But we went with this guy named John Travis, which was the idea from central media he does not do metal so we're like we want to be like this like that and he had no idea what the fuck to do but he just did what he did you know he did like kids rock a devil without a cause like he did like sugar ray like things that make no sense we're like we want to do live record like we're like we like corn and slipknot and he was like oh i don't know and then one of those things that like it's either gonna fucking not sound like it's supposed to and sound like shit or it's going to strike gold and every once in a while when you swing for the fence sometimes it hits and that was one of like those rare moments in your life or your career where like oh that risk it worked you know oh it definitely can but i guess i'm thinking like if someone goes to kurt Ballou wanting it to sound like a joey sturges mix yes oh yeah that's totally. a mistake that's a mistake like, yes it's not that kurt's not capable it's just why wouldn't you just go to joey yes if you want a joey sturgis mix totally yeah it's tough man i know what you're saying though like there's times where the unexpected can happen yeah and that's something that i guess us as a band always say we want like what's like the unexpected thing you know what's you know i kind of like knowing what's not going to be on the other side and we've been on um, both spectrums so we've been on all we did that no idea what the hell it's gonna happen there's no you don't know how it's gonna sound like and this boom that hits and that's super successful you also took a risk and had the other thing happen where oh that's that, that's that does not sound good and people don't buy the record and then you're broke and then you know i had you know not not knowing what's on the other side is what uh the band has been doing since it started and sometimes it hits sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and when when, when it doesn't then you you learn you listen and then you I won't do that again. And then you keep going. What about that whole experience made you stronger? Because it sounds like that experience did make you stronger. Like, what was it about it? Is it so? Is it something along the lines of being able to basically analyze it now and just have more information? Or is it like the fact that uh, you guys weathered a storm together? Like, I'm just, I'm just curious. What about it? Because it, when I hear you and Mark talk about it now, um, you guys have a positive spin on it, which is really cool, mm-hmm. which I think is important. Um, so I'm curious, what about it is uh, is positive for you? Totally. I mean, sometimes knowing what to do is knowing what not to do. And uh, you don't know what not to do unless you try it, you know. And um, I just like learning about music, learning how to record diff- different ways and um, different ways of songwriting. And uh, obviously, I mean, Mark probably went into it with, with, with you guys, but... Uh, yeah, it was it's a time where I just wanted to learn as much as possible. And, and it's really hard to say that to the masses cause, because, because, because you can't. You know, it, it, people are going to hear the song and the record, and that's pretty much it. But as far as, like, in, internally, it's like, man, I just want to learn so we could, in the future, write better songs, write b- better riffs, understand our sound better. Because you don't really understand, you, you don't have the tools to understand your sound better unless you try this 
and people talk about you know, see where the edges are. Yeah, see where it tests test your boundaries, and you know a big part that made the band successful well, has also you know uh, brought some public failures. So we're just doing the same thing we did since I was like fourteen. Nothing's changed, and but sometimes you know it again. It'll, it could either hit or not. It's just trying to learn, 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 learn because you know back in our day <laughs> there was uh, we were uh, we were playing. You know, we were practicing, we were buying seven strings and playing, you know, hardcore shows and playing with bands that didn't sound like us because they didn't exist. Like, we didn't start a deathcore band. We were just playing, well, let's try this, let's fucking write songs like this and then put it out there and people, you know, connect with it. And so really not as cheesy as it sounds, like not really walking the road that it's already paved. It's just like, well, mm -hmm. like the road do like doesn't exist. So we, we're constantly trying to try new things because we don't want to go down a road that the band has already done you know where i almost sound like a an asshole but you know other bands have the road to walk because other bands have paved it the tours we would go on yeah like and i love these bands but man going on tour with the acacia strain and stuff <laughs> for us was just a brutal experience i don't know how it would be now i feel like now the crowds are maybe gonna be cooler but in the mid-2000s those crowds were fucking hostile to metal bands, basically. Yeah. We had to protect ourselves physically a lot at those shows. It was not just having to win them over musically. It was having to make sure you didn't get jumped at every single show, basically. It was... What, the uh, hostile shows? Yeah. Not just didn't give a fuck, but w wanted to hurt you for it. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's funny, like, when you look back at, like, uh, you know, like, 2004, early 2000s, you talk about bands in the 90s, like, it's funny, like, when a band comes up and they have somewhat guitars that are distorted, you're basically going to play hardcore shows. Cause, all right, well, because what other shows can you play that has a distorted sound? Uh, well, you're going to play with old school, like, hardcore fans. And, like, you know, Corn talks about that. Oh, their first tour was with, like, Sick of It All. You know, I mean, it's just... And with us, it was it was in the Empire Orange County hardcore scene. They just threw us on these shows because, I mean, where else are they going to put us? Man, that shit will toughen you up. Totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> put some hair on your chest. Totally, dude. I started moshing just for the sake of, like, survival at, at shows. But, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, man, I guess I'll just start throwing fucking kicks and fists around like a fucking idiot just, just, just to be a part of it, you know? And it, it was cool. It was, it was a cool time, you know? And uh, I didn't necessarily understand it, but... For some reason, I fell in love with bands like Throwdown, 18 Visions, other uh, bands around here that probably no one really knows about, and like just it was so fucking heavy. And uh, you know, I mean, without knowing that, that really influenced the sound. Like, okay, like fucking throw in a fucking heavy breakdown right here after a blast beat or like a corn riff, this fucking heavy as possible. And then uh, we had a friend here named Gabe Ochoa. He sang, he sang for a band called Bound and Blood, and he really believed in us out, out of the gate. He was friends with Mitch, and he would throw on his shows, play in front of his hardcore bands, and People started dancing because we had breakdowns, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, it was, and there was no other show to play. It was hardcore shows, and then they were more accepting of us at the time, and then we played a few definitely shows, and they hated us. And uh, it's really hard to find your, it's hard to find, like, your place in the heavy genre. But now, as you guys said, it's also, it's, it's, it's really cool to see, like, bands be more accepted. Like, they could play a random show, and, like, fans are more, uh, including myself, are more open-minded to what's on, on the stage. As time went on, I started hearing more bands come out with the sound, which I guess someone coined the term deathcore. You know, more bands started to come out that started to uh, catch on. 
and then be more uh, accepted. Because, you know, in hardcore shows, I would it was like a big no-no to wear like a corn shirt or a slipknot shirt at a show. It's a big no-no, but I did it. It was a big no-no at metal shows, too. Totally. And that's something that we've always done as a band since day one. Like, if you inspired us, influenced us, like, we were very... I was vocal about it, and I wore the shirts when it wasn't cool to do so. We had interviews where I would oh, be like Corn, Slipknot, we like Cannibal Corpse, and like we wouldn't say bands to get cred, which I, f- I found that back then, I won't name names, but back then it was very like, no one talked about the bands that weren't cool to talk about. Now, I mean, obviously Corn are is they're legendary now, and it's, it's, everyone's cool, everyone wears the shirts now, but back then, no, like, back then. <laughs> I would wear a yeah. Corn shirt at the side of a like a hardcore show in a pit and get my head kicked in man i remember in the because we came from the death metal scene and like even in death metal like we weren't really accepted in death metal either but like that's still like we were more in line i guess with death metal than hardcore yeah but like still death metal was super hostile towards us like the underground stuff but I've been a Slipknot and Corn fan since day one, like always, and not afraid to say it. And back then, mm-hmm. at the death metal shows too, had to be careful about that, just because totally you could get jumped by a bunch of skinheads. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, at a death metal show, yeah, for sure, for wearing a Slipknot shirt. Shit's changed, man. Now it's I have this theory that like in metal, you just have to survive long enough. Unless you're like an arc spire or something like that. Like if you're not like super extreme or like you're a little bit different in how you're extreme, don't fit into the genre. And I love arc spire, by the way. So like, and I think they're very unique. So this is not me saying they're not unique. I think they're unique as fuck. But uh, if like you have to like be around for long enough for one generation of metalheads to not see you as the new band anymore. Like same thing mm-hmm. happened to Black Dahlia, happened to you guys. Mm-hmm. Like even Devil Driver, it took until they were like five albums in or something before everybody for just didn't even realize that Cold Chamber happened. Basically. Yeah. That's what I think it is. You have to survive through a generational shift. And once there's a new generation then some you're part of the old not old guard but like the established crew of metal bands and you're no longer like some fake wannabe you know metal fake metal band or something it's weird yeah, it takes it a while yeah just time he's i mean just staying there i mean you're yeah bound to be more successful that someone that didn't stay there well yeah but like think about it like the respect that you guys have now is totally different i mean you guys blew up fast but i remember the like that inner core of extreme metal fans didn't accept you guys at the beginning at all and i feel like now they do a a hell of a lot more and i think it's because you guys have stuck it out and just proven yourselves it's the exact same thing as black dahlia like people saw them as just like some cheesy metalcore band it's like they were never some cheesy metalcore band they were always a sick european style death metal band melodic death metal always they're always like the next version of at the gates always but uh it took until maybe five or eight years ago for the metal fans to appreciate them as a real metal band and not think of them as like that dumb metalcore band which they never even were in the first place interesting yeah they i remember like when we were first coming up even my before I was in the band, Black Dollar Murder, they were like, I think they helped pave the way for a band like us too. 
because I remember seeing their shirt at Hot Topic and like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. They cover that song by Rolling Stones. And I remember like, of, I mean, my, my first group of friends that listened to that genre of music, we were like, we were listening to the song. I'm like, damn, what the fuck is this? Dude, this is sick. Yeah, it's crazy how long it took him to really get that foundation of being a band and respect it and, and, get, and get the status. I mean, it, it takes a long time, you know, and bands like that, you know, they just got to stick around, continue to put out great riffs and great albums and people tend to turn turn around. Could be five years, could be 10 years. Could be 15 years. Um, yeah, you don't know. Well, look at Cynic. Well, Cynic, when they were around in the 90s, they had a real shit of a time, basically. They dealt with a super hostile metal scene. They were touring with bands like Cannibal Corpse and stuff and just, there was no such thing as like prog metal back then. Oh, wow. There was no such thing. And so... You know, they were getting bottles thrown at them, and it was just like, it was a violent, uncool, hostile situation, and then they pieced out. And then, yeah, they got back together when? 2008? And suddenly, the world was ready for it, and they had a great, you know, second life. It was really cool. It was really cool to see them get their, you know, get their due, because, like, everyone that liked Cynic from back in the day always felt like, man, this band was so ahead of their time it's such a shame that they weren't appreciated and they disappeared before anything cool could really happen and then yeah they got back together and suddenly are doing awesome tours and have like their their spot at the table so you know sometimes sometimes that happens too but it's, that it's is so cool. an issue of time, you know. It is an issue of, per, of timing, I think, because like, yeah, it, the, if the public's not ready for it, the public's not ready for it. There's like nothing you can do about that. No, totally, you know. And uh, the people and the fans have to say, you know, they're they're way smarter than me. You know, they if they cling on to a song or a lyric or something. That's you know, that's they're 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 smarter, you know. And a band like you know, Cynic, it's, it's really cool to see them. Uh, really cool to hear that they dealt with the time and they, and for them to have a second chance of a career in life is it's, it's always cool to see that you know because i know i know how that feels and it's like damn we have a second chance it's so cool man not everyone gets one it's a rare thing but you know if cynic had come back and sucked well yeah there's that there's that too the, can't, that, can't then suck. there'd be no uh there'd be no second life <laughs> yeah so there that's a key detail is uh that they came back they came back with fire, basically. Yep, you got to come back with full on. And uh, it's funny when you get older, you know, we've been home for a week, you know, and uh, I'm 36 now and I'm finding it harder to readjust to home life and my, my brain get back to my body. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, I thought to be honest, today I'll be a lot, a lot more focused. My brain is still fucking scattered from head banging for like a month straight. You got the, the traumatic brain injury happening. Yeah, it gets harder when you get older, but, but also since you get older you got to go harder to uh, look certain way and sound that way so when you're like you just said you got to come back with fire when you go through those lows you actually have to go harder and to, uh, to just to maintain that and and just go through uh go through the time with this i mean years years of going harder than you did when you had like the hype and you were going up you we go when you go to the down or your, your band's taking a break you got to fucking go harder just to maintain that and then we're a band like us, and you're lucky, and then time has its way. People come back, uh, new bands come out, and you the wave starts going back up, and you're like, and people kind of because you want to portray like like n- nothing happened, mm-hmm. and no one. So basically, they see you at a show like five years later, 
or more and they're like oh wow they fucking killed it, it sounded great but like they we went through hell the past fucking you know five ten ten years but you gotta go harder just just to maintain that and then if you're lucky when you get back on the way up you know it seems like nothing happened <laughs> it makes you think of two things corn pull that off super gracefully like when they play live they smoke bands half their age still they throw down like a bunch of 20 year olds and they are so sick they've always been so sick live even when they were going through like crazy lineup changes and like mm-hmm. who the hell knew who was in the band or are there 15 people in the band or are there three people in the band or like what the hell is going on with corn like mm-hmm. they were always sick they were always great and now that it's like corn, you know, it's not the original lineup as, you know, they've got Ray on drums, but still it's corn. It's like five piece corn and mm-hmm. they are still just as deadly as ever. I think they really pulled off the getting older thing super gracefully. It makes me think of an interview I saw with Keanu Reeves actually talking about John Wick and doing that at the age of 54, wow. which is re- really amazing. If you think about it, like, dude, it's like 53, 54 when he did the first John Wick or 51 or something like over the hill and uh, looked great and just savage as fuck. And he was being asked, like, how do you do this at your age? Like, yeah, people half your age would have a hard time with this. And he said that the it's the doing it part that's not that hard. I mean, yeah, it's hard work, but like that's the job. The hard part now is recovering and like taking the time needed to like get back to that and like not hurting himself so like he Mm -hmm. as opposed to when he was 25 you know he could like do some crazy movie shooting day like with stunts and action and then get up the next day and do it again get up the next day and do it again and get up the next day and do it again now like the recovery time he'll still do the crazy shooting days with action and stunts but now there's recovery time built in and you just got to think about those sorts of things as you get older yeah like you can bring the fire you just make sure not to handicap yourself in the process no it's so true man you got to think about your recovery time and it's funny like the older you get you don't know until you get there it's, it's, it's literally happening right now during this conversation you know like oh you know I'll, I'll be home for a week I gotta have a deep conversation I'm fine but then as the week progresses like your time of getting back to who you are and where you were when you're home I'm noticing that the recovery time is taking much longer I'm like well this is I mean to be honest yeah it's it does kind of freak like freak me out how like how fast my brain and body will deteriorate and yeah as far as far as corn you know I mean they're my bar I look at bands like Corn. I look at George from Cannibal Corpse. How far can you go and headbang like that and sound that <laughs> way? You know, we we saw Cannibal like a few months ago, and George looked better than ever. He's mid fifties, dude. He sounded great. He looked great. I'm like, damn, that's fucking nuts. And Corn, they're just they're still headbanging. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like they're in their fifties headbanging like that. I have no excuse. I better fucking throw down. And then when you go home, you're like, on oh, my back and my I can't. I could barely talk. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a, Man. it's an ongoing, very freaky, like the behind the scenes stuff. How you know, much slower your body is and your reaction time is and your mental processing is. It does freak me out, but uh, it just means you got to work harder. I mean, I, I came home from that tour, this tour. I went, I went to the gym. I, I put the books in my face. I read and trying to get back to where you were. I and mean, you just got to do more. And it's just for me. I think every person is different. And uh, I think every person knows what they need to do 
to be who they are. And uh, I know what I got to do. It sucks. It's like, well, I, I got to do this. Just, uh, you know. It is what it is. Just, just, it, it is what it is. You know, The Rock has to go to the gym for two hours to be The Rock. You know, I mean, this is, if he, if he, if he figured his shit out, that, that's great. If I got to read, got to drink coffee and read for an hour and go to the gym to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm recovered, that's just what has to happen. It seems like it sucks, but there's something worse than that, which I've also experienced. Like Not doing it. When you don't do it, you're like, oh, my God. My brain turns to mush and I turn into a fucking even dumber person. There is that, you know? No, yeah. So the way I see that is you have two choices, like, and they're both painful, but which one's worse? It's the pain of doing it or the pain of not doing it. Yep. Which do you prefer? And I Mm -hmm. think the pain of not doing it is a lot worse than the pain of doing it. So, like, uh, with guitar, there's a certain amount of you know there's just a certain amount of technical stuff i have to do or it just goes and it's always been that way and like i notice it right away when i don't do it and regardless of anything else it's like i just have to do this like this physical routine regardless of i'm writing that day regardless of anything else and it's not i mean it's just not always fun sometimes my brain's not in it sometimes it hurts like whatever Mm -hmm. but if i don't do it the deterioration mm-hmm. yeah yep. and then i'm gonna be trying to write something can't like really play or like yeah i'm gonna record something and it's gonna sound like shit and like that's mm-hmm. way worse it is than just like finding that hour um to do the basics um and yep i whatever that is for you it is important to to figure that out i think yeah the pain of not doing it in whatever whatever facet of your life you're talking about is the greater pain as far as i'm concerned it is for me at least you're right no you you hit the nail on on the head that's my thought process a lot i was thinking about this last night actually i'm like there is some what's worse because you you, like you complain i gotta practice for an hour i gotta fucking play the click fucking and then fucking do the basics i gotta go to gym i gotta read i gotta eat a salad and uh, it's all, all like these things you got to do just to maintain your mindset and, and, and your and your playing style. But, yeah, you're right. Something worse is like, oh, shit, I don't practice and I can't play this part like as good as I think. And, uh, and having the experience of walking around, going on a walk at, at the park up, up, up the street or, or walking around this room like a psychopath or, or going, or going and, and, pet, <laughs> and pet my cat and like just hearing a riff in my head. Having that, I've experienced that going away. Mm-hmm. When we don't have the riffs constantly going in your head or 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 your body, you're not driven or inspired. Like there is something worse. And when that, having yep. that experience going away, because it has, I was like, damn, I don't ever want to experience that ever again. So whatever I got to do to make sure that something is so simple as walk, walking around the house and just taking a shower, hearing a riff. Oh shit, it's cool. You know, I put it, put it in my get, get my phone here. Dun 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 dun. dun. Put it in my voice memos. There it is. Cool. I got, I got, I got a brand new riff. But it going away uh, and it happens is terrifying. And uh, having feeling that and experiencing that, I'm like, I'm never gonna be that person ever again. And it happens quick too. You know, you eat, you eat pizza straight for a fucking week. Uh, you know, you know, like, <laughs> like you, like, like you drown yourself in fucking food or like, like whatever your advice is. And uh, it, it goes away. So having that experience of like, okay, this can go away. Uh, the bank going through low. You know, uh, this can go away quick. People die. The bank could go away fucking like that in a, a phone call. You know, uh, things things happen. So just you got to maintain. You know, I, 
I get my get my guitar here. I sit down for an hour. I down pick, fucking with with a click. Then I'll do some triplets and then this basic stuff. So you could just when you when the time comes and, and the riff comes in your head, you could actually play it or or whatever the sound you have in your body or your mind, you can actually get it out. And the amount of time you got to put into your playing and your practicing, just the basic stuff, just to get that fucking sound out, is it sucks. <laughs> but 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 something worse yeah yeah like i think that when you think about practicing to a click and doing that stuff a lot of people are like it's not about that for me i just love to feel mm -hmm. the music and i don't it's like yeah but they're sure cool but there's still a physical body that you got to play that through and yes. your physical body needs conditioning like absolutely that's it metal is a contact sport like, if you want to be able to, like, play this stuff, you got to condition your body to play it. There's no way around it. We all know freaks, right? So maybe there's some freaks out there who don't really need to do it as much. But, like, just because there's some freaks out there who can get away with not practicing as much. And, honestly, I think they're lying. I think they just don't show you how much they practice. Just because there's some freaks out there doesn't mean that anyone should think that they themselves are that freak. And it should always just be honest about how much you got to put in in order to stay at a level that makes sense for you to be able to keep crushing it. Totally. So one thing I have noticed about some players, like I remember this from music school, was players who would sit there for 12 hours a day but not think about their career or what they wanted to do with guitar like they were just obsessed with practicing mm -hmm. and i think yeah if you want to be a virtuoso you do have to go mm -hmm. through an extended period of time where that is all you do for sure like you have to there's no way around that but the virtuosos i know that we know who have careers as a virtuoso like they don't just think about practicing like better believe jason richardson doesn't just think about practicing like as long as i've known him he's always thought about the career stuff too and you know how he's presented to the world and like the business side of everything he does like all those dudes that are actually out there as sick guitar players think about this stuff to some in some way shape or form you have to or else mm -hmm. whatever happens is just random you know like, if you're successful, it's random. It is random. It doesn't have to be. I mean, look, the part about the public accepting you is not in your control. Like, so that part is luck. Like, if you if your music happens to be what the public likes at that point in time, that's luck. But everything else is not. Like, everything else, like, how you choose to go about things, that's totally how you choose to go about things and can you know make make or break everything but so you know there is this one factor that is outside of your control which is yeah the public but mm -hmm. there's a million other factors that matter too that are in your control there's so many factors there's so much to it i look at guys like toast and i'm like okay that's like that's kind of the bar like you figured it out you obviously practice a lot it shows you obviously like you're like the sickest and i look at guys like that but he also he's out there in public talking to people he's his business and like that is to me is fucking fascinating and i'm i want to sit down with him one day just fucking I'm like what the fuck are you doing dude do you do you not sleep <laughs> i mean it's like holy shit dude guys like me can't ever do that i mean he's fuck he's ripping dude and he has a soul which is all is also rare he has the sound 
also rare. Technically speaking, it's there, but he's also boom on social media and all that shit. I'm like, dude, that fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's, it's it's so it's so cool to see, man. You know, I, I always say this too. Like if I if, if I talk about it, you know, I was pretty spoiled. You know, I'm born raised here in uh, Corona, so SoCal. You know, I have a legendary venue two miles down the street, a show, showcase. So I have like this the top of the top local scene. I could just walk down the street and there it is. And so the competition was very high. There was all kinds of guitar players that were playing hardcore or death metal or combining them or there everyone kind of doing their own thing. So the competition bar for for us and me was very high. And seeing I could see guys that maybe work too much, they were going on stage. I could see guys that maybe practice too much. They're going on stage. I could see guys that are similar to me that they were more like rhythm or all they do is write or play along to slip my songs. You I I could kind of tell and I noticed and there's a key to accepting your weaknesses and my weakness I noticed I'm the worst guitar player in the genre in this local scene I'm the worst I am the, I've truly <laughs> no felt way. that and thought that because these guys are rippers I'm seeing like I'm they're fucking doing solos you know like they're like 15 and I'm like oh these guys are ripping dude and their bands are sick which is, is a, a whole other topic that, uh, something that I miss about the local scene sick bands coming up I accepted that I am the worst guitar player but i have something they all don't have and that is a obsession i do feel like our sound is different and i'm gonna hone in on that i'm being myself and i that's what's gonna that's how we're gonna crush all these bands i'm, I'm the worst but i will be the last one standing i will die doing that and sure enough i mean it was very conscious i mean maybe some bands have ambitions too high but and something i don't really i, I think about and i can't put my finger on it you know, there's people you talk to, there's there's people that are realistic, what they're saying, and it happens. There's people that are, are delusional. Mm-hmm. What I don't know what that is or the difference, but for me, I was not delusional, and I don't know what that is. But I saw SS in arenas. I saw us playing with Slipmine and Corn. I saw us doing, I saw us getting out of the SoCal scene. I saw us getting out of the country. I saw us being signed. And obviously, when people talk about that, it sounds like, oh, uh, like some, most people are delusional i meet him out there in a row all the time yeah it's weird isn't it <laughs> i and i don't know what it is but for us i saw it out of the fucking gate if we if we stay together as a band and we play from our hearts as cheesy at that that sounds we will be the one on top that's is it and there's no other option and sure enough from the time we started the band like t- uh, 2002 uh 2008 you know one tour slipknot on that first mayhem tour you're talking like at that period of just obsession and and uh, you you always have like back then, it was unhealthy con- competition. The older you get, uh, the competition becomes healthier, you know, because because you know you know you know who you are, and you want to help out bands and uh, and players and stuff like that. But back then, I was like, fuck all these bands, dude. Like, and you ruin relationships with people. And the years go by, then I guess you both kind of squash and you realize, oh, you know, it's just it's just music, dude. It's fine. Over the years. Uh, you know, you you reconnect with these people, and then or people like uh, quit the band or leave the band because you want to tour and they didn't want to tour. All like these uh, sacrifices of real friendships and bands, like talking shit on this band. I'm talking shit on that band, and you're, you're fucking 16, dude. But it's just, I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know, but I just knew. I knew right out of the gates. So I can totally relate to it because I think about it like what's delusional and what's not. Because I've always like, what is that? I don't know because I've always had very 
like quote unquote unrealistic goals. So like mm -hmm. I wanted to get Doth signed to Roadrunner out the gate. Like I didn't want to go through an indie label and I didn't care that we were just some local band. Like goal was Roadrunner first. And you know, I told people that and they're like, you're nuts. I was like, no, that's what's going to happen. And then, you know, with starting URM, it was like, we're going to start a multi-million dollar business off of showing people how to mix metal. We're not going to do country. We're not going to do pop. We're not, we're doing metal, some rock, but metal. And like, that's cool and all, but you're going to have to do real music at some point. It's like, no, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. It's going to be metal. And, uh, and like, so I have like personally done things that like, if I heard other people say it, I would think maybe they're being delusional. But then at the same time, I've known people who like, they tell me these goals they have, and I totally believe that they could do it. And so it's mm -hmm. this weird thing. Cause there's this, this, this fine line too. Cause we all know people too, who say that they're going to do these things. And you're like, there's no way you're going to do that. Um, no, well, no, I'm talking about the ones who don't where like, you know, there's no way it, like, so man, I don't know, because like, you're not delusional if you pull it off. Mm -hmm. The reason that I felt confident that I was going to pull those things off was because I actually studied how to do it and how it worked. Yeah. So it wasn't wow. just this, like, I'm going to get my extreme metal band signed to Roadrunner because I said so. It was like I studied how bands get signed to Roadrunner. I learned everything about what does it take to get Monty Connor to sign a band? Who's around him? Who does he listen to? The bands that he signed in the past five years, what do they all have in common? Like, what is, who else has to sign off on it? What do they care about in bands? Like, and what do I need to do to check off all those boxes? Like, it wasn't just some, like, idea. We're going to get signed to Roadrunner because that's where Slipknot is. No, it was like a concerted effort. Like, I was studying it in school. And the same with, like, with URM. It was like, it wasn't just, I'm going to start some company, hope for the best. It was like, how do how do you do this kind of company? How do you market this kind of company? Like, how does this actually work in the real world for me anything quote-unquote unrealistic that has happened and become reality i've like made it reality because i've learned how it actually happens and then followed the path so there was there's always been a path to get there it's just a matter of seeing the path and then once i see the path then it seems realistic to me so i guess when i hear people being delusional to me it's more that like I feel like they haven't thought about what that really means. Like they're just see the end result. They see the end state. Like I want my band to be huge, but they're not seeing all the steps that bands take in order to get to quote unquote mm -hmm. huge. Or like, I want to start a, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur and start like, you know, seven figure business or something. It's like, cool. But then all they see are people with seven figure businesses. They don't think about what it's like when you put in a thousand dollars of your own money and have zero customers and mm -hmm. how you get it from point A to point B and like how that's done. The delusion comes in like skipping people who don't think about everything in the middle and then also misjudging their own skills. So I think like, I don't think you're the worst guitar player in the scene at all, but I do think that it's healthy to understand you, what you think are your weaknesses and what you think are your strengths um, so that you understand what you bring to the table. Um, and not, not, it, it's not even about like being humble or, or like, 
not being too braggy. It's more about just like understanding where you fit in and what it is that you do that works so that you can focus on that. Absolutely. You know, and, and you, you understand what it takes to, you know, build something, you know, there's all like this, it's all, it's all like this middle ground, you know, all, all, like this, all like the work thinking about, and you're, you touch on a lot of there. Like, uh, you ask yourself a lot of questions, you know, who does this person hang around with? You know, how do, what these band, five bands have in common? How do, uh, just, there's a lot of questions, which I do the same thing. Just got to ask yourself all these questions. And, um, you, you know, I, I jokingly say that I'm an idiot and stuff, but we're all very, everyone listening, we're all intelligent at some in our own way. Like we, we have answers inside of us as cheesy as that sounds. If we sit down and just write things down, you answer your own questions. You're like, oh, well, I didn't fucking know that. Sometimes because you just got to get it out. So I, I literally answering your own questions. Uh, I, I literally three journals around me. Like, uh, it's just this answering your own questions. It's like, okay. And then you got to do it. That's the kicker. That's the thing. It's like, I remember back in the day, when like trying to start touring before the label and dealing with dudes who like had home lives and that they didn't want to give up and like they wanted to try to figure out how to work that and it's like it's cool man it's reasonable i get why you want to keep this but uh you know the universe don't give a shit about your home life yeah <laughs> like it does it does doesn't matter like so either you're going to get out there and do this thing or you're not like the universe isn't going to be like, oh, that's reasonable, dude. You want to keep your apartment and pay your bills. So I'm going to like give you a pass and uh, make you have to work less hard or something. Universe don't give a fuck. It doesn't. Yeah. You have to decide what you're willing to give up for things. But man, it's weird because like I think of, I don't have kids, but I think about like what if I had a kid and the kid told me they wanted to drop out of uh, college or not go to college or like not do know, not do I these know. things like basically do what i did and like you have to let them do it but like but still when i think about it in terms of like what if it was my kid trying to take this unrealistic path like just putting myself in that position of a dad and a kid hitting me up with that that gives me a little anxiety think to think about actually why would you do this to yourself? So I do totally understand why people would be afraid to sacrifice those things. But then you know that everyone who gets somewhere just about sacrifice those things. It just is what it is. It's is what it is. And that's why the music sounds that way. You know, people are all in, dude. Yeah. All in. That's, that's what makes the music sound that way. That's why you see a band and they fucking rock the fuck out there. That's all they got. You could like him or not like him, love him, hate him, but you cannot take that one thing away. You know, it's just that when they, when the band goes out there and they've they're all in. You know, I I gotta respect that. You know, so it's so fucking cool, man, to see it and hear it. And it yeah, it just depends how far you you know you want you want to go. And as as you touched on, like there's a you gotta have like some kind of like gut feeling. You know, okay, know when to quit your job, know when to keep the job. I graduated high school. Barely. I mean, we're talking all D minuses. Same. <laughs> I graduated high school just for the sole fact of buying time with my parents because they were like, "Oh, you should go to you know the classic mijo. You should go. You go to college. You have a career. You have a family." And I, I knew if okay, if I just if I stay in high school and I graduate, that will buy me time because hey, mom and dad, I finished high school, so I could t- take a little break and go to college later. I did it just for that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> just for the respect of my parents uh, and. Uh, 
I think it was sophomore year or junior year in high school. Like at the counselor, you know, called my mom, my mom in the school and like, your son's not going to graduate next year because he has no credits. I mean, he's failing all his, all his classes. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm listening to corn all day. I'm fucking listening to the guitar, hanging out with my my buddies. And okay, so we asked him, okay, how what's it going to take for my son to graduate? And they gave me a plan, which basically, you know, in high school, like people have half days and then and then go home. So I stayed the whole day. I had a full year in high school. I had an after school class. Then I had night school, and then I, and then I got my first job. Uh, I was a dishwasher at a, a Mexican restaurant, and I did all those things just to graduate. I didn't do any homework still, but I think, but I, I showed up on time every fucking day, and I was there. And I think the teachers appreciate that. Oh, this guy is just, goddamn. I mean, he's here all the time. I think just based on the time he's been in here, he's not doing any work. But I think just, I think they all feel sorry for me. And knew, I mean, I, I was I wasn't a troublemaker in high school. I I was pretty straight laced. I was either playing guitar or working or just sitting in a chair doing nothing at, in, in school. And uh, so that you know moment, I'm not gonna drop out of high school. I'm not gonna quit my job and go on tour. You know, just gotta really feel it out. I look back at those moments. I'm like, I don't know where that natural like gut instinct came from or that mindset came from knowing when and when not to do things. I don't know what that is, where it came from. So I can't take credit for that. But I knew when. And when not to do something, I'm gonna work my ass off. I'm gonna go to band practice. I would go to, I'll go straight from work to band practice a lot, straight and straight. I would fucking practice them in my fucking green shirt and like work clothes sometimes. And uh, I was like, you gotta know when to, you know, quit your job. Then when it came to, okay, now we're, I put in the work every second, every day when I was a kid, the work was put in. Sometimes it's being there, it's putting in the work. And then we're playing shows here at Showcase and, for filling out venues, you can actually see when you actually see your work. That's when it's kind of special and cool. Like, okay, like I could show my parents, hey, mom and dad, like there's there's people. This venue's packed, and there's people here. That there's something here. Obviously, there's label interest, and okay, that's another validation. Again, I don't know where the mindset came from, with the gut instinct, but we weren't desperate out of the gates. We knew who we were. We didn't sign the first deal or the second deal. We we knew. Let's build our shit up and do the work, and we'll sign when the right deal comes. I don't know where that came from, dude, that we weren't desperate. So I'm very lucky to, to be in a band with Mitch and Mark at the time and Alex. There was no, we weren't desperate. I'm not sure where that came from. And then the time came. Okay, we got a two-month-long tour booked. It's time. Time to go on tour, man. And then that was like, okay, I was going to get a promotion at the hospital I was working at. I was like, okay, here it is. This is the moment. Quit the job. Go on tour. That's it. It's knowing when and when not to do things. And I don't know where. where I don't know where that came from, dude. It's crazy. I'm very lucky. Man, I want to talk a little bit about what you were just saying about not being desperate thing. Because talking about like things that are on the line, I feel like we're t- we've that's been a common theme in this episode, like delusion versus just dreaming big or uh, things like that. Like we all know those bands that wanted to hold out for the record deal and so turned down a bunch of deals and then nothing happened right like there we all know that band from the scene that like from our local scene that had all the hype about them and the major labels and stuff started like sniffing their asses and throwing them deals and then they were like we're gonna wait for the right deal and then poof, nothing happened disappeared we know the bands that like held out for a good deal and did great and we know the bands that held out and it was the biggest mistake ever. So it's like really hard to, that's also a tough one. It's like you have to make a judgment call. Yeah. And I, yeah, you're right. I think uh, in my experience, uh, 
because I try to share my experiences with, with people because that's all I have. You know, this worked, this didn't work because I, I don't know shit, dude. When things work out, I'm like, damn, I don't fucking that. It worked. But in my in my experience that, that worked for us as far as not being desperate with labels or anything in general, really, when the band first started to now, it's kind of the same. I, we know who we are and it's knowing who you are. I know who I am. Whether people like it or not, uh, I knew who I was back then. I'm a rhythm guitar player. I'm a new metal kid. That's it. And then that went into the music. The music, we know who we are. This is what we are. This is what we do. So just really knowing who you are. You know, I mean, if you look at my, uh, so I got my guitar right here. All these frets are perfect. If you look at the first fret and the top string, it's all fucked up. I'm, I'm just right there. I stay right there, dude. And that's it. You know, I like, <laughs> I like 4-4. Four, four. I like 4-4, four, four, dude. You know, and uh, my, my first fret's so fucked up and that the rest are perfect. But you know what? This is what I love to do. I love playing this. It's who I am. You know, I think uh, that that's why people resonate with, with the music. And I think that's what also, coming with age now, you look back and what, I mean, I'm the same guy now that I was back then. I know who I am. I'm a rhythm guitar player. I'm a new metal kid. We have this band and uh, we're lucky to be in a band together and we're not desperate and we're putting and we put it in the work. I mean, that in my experience, that's what worked for, for me and that's, and that's what worked for us. But I've seen the bands that, were not comfortable with who they were and wanted to be something else. And I've seen how that's gone over. It doesn't go over well. Not knowing your identity is really tough for a band because then the band can't get on the same page because like, it's like, well, yeah. this person wants you know, to be this thing. This other person wants it to be this thing. And the public can tell that there's like some, they don't know what it is. It's like drug dogs almost just sniffing something. Yeah. sniffing that something's up and just like people can yeah. sniff it dude it's real shit people can sniff when it's not real yeah especially when you're talking metal like not knocking any other genre but there's something about metal or if you want oh crazy you're not metal or you're a deathcore band i i know there's something about heavy music there's something about it that it needs to be authentic and real there's something about this genre and as a whole it has to be authentic for things to stick and grow and get signed and all these things it has to be when you know let's say you're you know country or pop it could kind of be like manufactured here manufactured there like no one really cares it's cool it's pop but there's something about this genre of music that has to be there and people smell smell it when it's not or people also can sense it's very primal and i i look at ss as a very primal band that's a good way to put it they get kind of sense there's a kind of sense where people know some something's missing you don't you don't know what it is you can't put a word to it but there's something missing with like a band here and there so that's something that i always like i always make sure that all of our fucking everything's checked off you know everything us being authentic for us you know musically we're very more primal as far as our genre is concerned so people connect with that so I'm, i want to make sure that's we hone in on that we don't try to throw in things that aren't us in there you know people know you know that too yeah 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 you can't hide it can't hide it you, you cannot hide from yourself dude you know so we so we try to fucking put it out there as, as much as we can i remember once sent our vocalist to a producer just demoing stuff and it came back with like these clean vocals don't do clean vocals and <laughs> it was cool but it also made me like shudder on the inside i remember the label was like all about it i was like dude i can't like and i love bands with clean vocals like there's nothing against yeah. clean vocals but it just felt like so not me like like i was yeah. embarrassed for myself in that when i heard that like i was like this is I can't 
get behind this. Yeah. Like I said, I don't have anything against clean vocals or bands that change things up or anything like that. But like, as far as me knowing myself, like when I heard that, it was like, so not me at all. It gave me anxiety and made me nauseous. <laughs> and I just like, wow. It was like, we can't, we can't, man. I'm sorry. We just, we can't like, I can't do this. This can't happen. So it just can't happen. One of my strengths in the band or as a person, I don't got a lot of them. So I'm proud, I'm proud <laughs> of this one is, is uh, I seek out confrontation. I like saying things out loud that maybe make people uncomfortable. It's not just to do it on purpose. It's like Suicide has always been an in-person band. We, we, we talk in person. I almost quit the band like two years ago. It's having like those sit people down. You talk, you hash out like the whatever's going on. I've always seek that out. I like, I love uncomfortable conversations and feelings i know like all right this is gonna get us somewhere cool like if, if we get through this this is gonna make the music better mm -hmm. that's different i'm with you on that in terms of like communication you should talk about the uncomfortable things but i just meant more like an art in an artistic sense like yeah something that i don't authentically feel it's not just something where it's like neutral it makes me physically uncomfortable to put it out i guess you know what it's really tough I'm still trying to figure it out too, as well as what as what you're just talking about is. Uh, remember being in this room. Uh, we were Mark was writing uh, "No Pity," and we're all jamming together because we write in in a room. We were fucking looking at each other. He comes up. He he just started. I think he was. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think there was like he had like the sweep picking was like really becoming a thing. So a lot of people, guitar players, were practicing. They're like sweep picking. Like beat the massacre was hot. You know, it's like. So people, so he brings in this this sweet picking thing. I hate it. I fucking hate it. Mitch was there, and Mitch fought for it. I didn't want leads and suit that sounds like we're like a rhythm band. Like we're, I just, I just want chugs and breakdowns, and then that's blast beats. That's the, that that's us. But I'm not sure. He brought in this sweet picking thing. He put it at the end of a breakdown, combined it. I was like, I don't want this in a song. But I was outvoted. We stuck with it. I think uh, it was the passion of Mitch and Mark that really kind of. All right, let's fucking do this. Let's let's stick with it. And sure enough, it comes out on the record and it's one of the biggest songs. Man, I was like when I first heard that sweet picking, and you're talking to like a rhythm player, and I'm like, fuck that shit. <laughs> Everybody's sweet picking, fuck them. They all suck. <laughs> and uh, but you know what? I don't know what it was, man. Uh, I hate it. And then this, we stuck with it, and sure enough, um, that 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 song blew up. And uh, definitely kind of go back to that moment, like, okay, like, it's, if something comes up, I don't feel it. I try to, like, it's hard. I don't know. I try to, you try to gauge it. But you trust your teammates. Try, okay, you're right. SS, I trust, I trust Mark with my life. I trust him. There you go. So I trust Dan Kenny. I trust our new producer, Taylor Young. I trust these guys with my soul. And I notice, you're, I, you just said it, you're right. Um, it's been a few producers we had, I, I don't trust them. And sure enough, there's something missing. When, uh, you know, just trust this trust these guys we all want to play heavy badass music so they they're passionate about that they believe it's going to work one of those things is it going to work is it not but we're going to do it if it hits great if it doesn't then we're going to keep going and that one hit yeah i think the trust thing trusting your team is like of course it's very important all the time but especially when there's something that you disagree with mm -hmm. and you get outvoted like if you don't trust your team that could be the beginning of a bad thing yeah whereas if you do trust your team like that's an opportunity for you to be like okay this was not not my decision but like i work with these guys for a reason yeah yeah let's see what happens maybe they're right totally totally and uh yeah you're right and just having at least like kind of like a common goal and if it fits common goal then great like for us we just we just coined it and it took us a career to find it but uh two two things 
uh, heavy as possible, couchy as possible. That's it. That that's us. I mean, if because any anyone can do heavy, anyone can do that. But to make it catchy and stay with a person when when they're out walking in the park or they're taking a shower, that that riff stay with them. That's where it's like. How to do that? I don't know. <laughs> if it if it's too cashy, but it's not heavy, like it's not us. Then what? Yeah, yeah. So it's like I I call it hap and cap. You know, like <laughs> heavy as possible, catch as possible. If it's anything else, I don't give a fuck about it. And so if it if they if they bring something in that fits the suicide silent sound, like you know what? That's all right. Let's do it. Cool. Catchy is really hard to pull off. Oh yeah, there's this riff I'm fascinated with. It's not in the song yet, but sometimes you'll you'll write a riff. So what? It sounds really good. I like it. Oh, it's all. I'm like, you know, I'm all, I'm all up here on like the sixth fret, all like proud. You know, I'm fucking killing it, dude. I'm not, I'm not on the first fret anymore. Okay, it's a cool riff. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, this, is, this sounds sounds pretty cool. And then uh, a week goes by, I forget it, or a month goes by, and I and I forget it. And then I write this one riff. Kind of sucks. I don't know. I'm like, it's just dang and and then, but a week goes by, a month and a a year. I'm and I hum that riff back to me to myself. That I'm like, well, how does that, how do you do that? Coming from a band that does that, it's like, how does, it's, it, it's super tough to nail those riffs that like you, you play it and it stays with your head. Because to me, like I want SS to be like, we're obviously, you know, over the top heavy. We're, we're very over exaggerated with our sound and our look and all that stuff. But I want people to be able to hum our riffs back to them, themselves. And how do you do that? I really don't know. But for us, it's, it's a little bit on the more simple side. But uh, yeah, having those riffs that you could, that stay with you in your head because I want people to be driving around and you know, like in the shower or like and they they get they get like a bam, 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 like this like that's really hard to do, you know. Writing writing a simple riff is the hardest thing to do. I totally totally agree. It's almost like writing a great melody. It's the same idea in my opinion. A great riff mm-hmm. is like metal's version of a great melody and uh like do you ever get this where like you write a riff and you're like no it's too stupid oh yeah and then like overlook it but then it just sticks with you and you're like maybe it's not stupid maybe it's sick totally and go back and forth between no it's like it's so stupid though but it's so good oh yeah totally i mean whenever i had conversations about music i try not to get spiritual i try not to but it it just comes up I, I, i try to like sprinkle it but there's something inside of you that tries to stop you from being you and i don't know what it is like us i mean we write in a room together so we're writing and the riff will literally be coming out it's being born literally like as and it feels like you're not playing anymore it feels like something else like someone else that either died before you or it feels like someone else is playing and like and i noticed that like something else is telling me to stop that and it's it's my mind my mind is telling me to not go here and not go there or, or or that or that riff sucks or just like it's it's stopping the birth of of a riff and it happens a lot and uh and if i'm conscious of it it freaks me out because my man how many other guitar players struggle with this and don't know what this is every time the riff's trying to come out and you're trying to stop it from coming out and it's it's mental yeah so sometimes i get this thing the voice is like well that sounds too much like a riff you'd write and it's like what, what <laughs> so like silly, yeah dude. and it, it's so like fucking well, silly. isn't that like the point that it should sound like a riff i'd write but then it's like this it's like this weird thought it's like like uh you're repeating yourself but not it's just my style but like yeah but that voice yeah that voice will be like you just sound like you're doing the obvious thing for you to do it's like god shut the fuck up it's a good riff 
it's this weird mental game. I'm trying to get good at telling that voice to shut the fuck up. It's always there. Yeah. yeah it's, it's tough. Well, one of the ways that I'm getting around it with the new material is when that voice pops up, I lean into that riff. There you go. That's, that's cool. We did a podcast episode with Kevin Thrasher where he said that he has this writing technique called writing for the writing for the wastebasket where he's like try to write throwaway riffs so that he's not trying to write the greatest thing ever he's just writing and so like he's writing with the intention of this is going to get scrapped so whatever let's just have fun and so start i started doing that and i started just like accepting the riffs that normally i'd be like uh this sounds too much like you like it's too simple or whatever they're sick riffs after like i got over that mental chatter I'm really happy I did. So that has helped me a lot with that voice. That's great. Any tool you have, you're building a toolbox your whole life. So whatever tool you have that works, fucking use it that moment, dude. Yeah, totally. Well, anyways, I think it's a good place to end the episode. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. It was a total pleasure. I swear we've met before, but I don't think we have. And so it was really good to finally meet you. Pleasure, man. I had a really fun time here. You know, I'm hopefully I said some cool stuff with my mushy tour brain. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I've been wanting to come on this podcast for a while. But so it's cool. That I, I felt honored when I got the text from, from Finn. Shout out to Finn. Shout out Finn. Great dude. Love him. I got stoked. That's why I'm like, let's do it now. Because, you know, I can only squeeze in so much time. We're going to Europe uh, literally in five days. Thanks for squeezing it in. It's a real crazy time period for us, too. So I'm like, we normally don't do it this day of the week at this hour. But we're, it was like, yeah, let's do this. Because like when it seems like there's not going to be another opportunity for a while where the three of us would be able to line this up perfect i'm glad timing works out because timing always has its way right yeah it does totally it's awesome all right well thank you sir well all right guys thank you for listening and watching check out the bands we got a new song coming out believe august check it out or don't that's cool too you should check it out <laughs> fuck yeah